Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. So without much more time, I don't want to take away from the Vernons. We're so glad to have them here. Brother and Sister Vernon are here with us again. This was an impromptu schedule. We have them just about every October, I believe, is our, is our scheduled time. But I told her, I said, Sister Vernon, if there's ever a time there's a hole in your calendar. And you know, evangelists live exclusively on the invites that they have and the travels that they do. And sometimes the calendar doesn't fill completely up. And, uh, and they live in the Evansville area. And I said, Sister Vernon, I want you to understand that if there's ever a hole in your calendar, I don't want you to go without a time to be out there working and, and doing what you need to do in your ministry. Please consider our pulpit yours. And I mean that sincerely. I want you to know also that brother and sister Vernon are not just partners when they come and minister to us, but they're partners and brothers and sisters of Abundant Life because they continuously cover us in prayer. They are always checking in on me. They're praying for me, uh, just being wonderful friends uh, to my wife and I. And they are a treasure and wonderful, wonderful people. So I want you to understand what a wonderful thing it is that we are able to have them here with us this morning. Brother and Sister Vernon didn't have just one Save Our Nation event. As a matter of fact, they've been traveling coast to coast, up and down, all over the place. I won't give the numbers. I'll let them do that. But it will astonish you the number of churches they've been just in 2021 and the number of services that they've preached. But it's not so much that. It's what they're seeing in their travels that you're going to want to hear about. Amen. So I've asked Brother Vernon this morning if he could come up and tell us a little bit about their own Save Our Nation that they've been doing as a regular part of their ministry. It's what they are. It's who they are um, every day of their lives. And they're seeing some amazing things out there. So Brother Vernon, if you'd come, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you'd testify for us and tell a little bit about your journey. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Save our nation. That's what it's about. Amen. It's about souls. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to save his nation. They wouldn't listen to him. Amen. So we continue that journey today. Amen. Trying to win every soul that we can. Amen. And we have, uh, we have been in 37 churches so far this year. And it's not over. And we're glad it's not over. Um, we have a love and a passion for souls. Um, we saw already 212 filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, we got to witness 35 of those being baptized and 37 church and 77 services. Now, that's the 37th church, but 77 services. That means that there was times when we only had one day off a week. Um, you know, and we, we were asked to drive from where we are at, an hour and something away, to, to a Christian school um, that my wife had ministered for some 20 years ago and, uh, at, at this pastor's church. And they heard we were in Arkansas and called and asked if we would come and uh, because they had some students that need the Holy Ghost. So we were there at 7.45 that morning, had service, and there were 19 filled with the Holy Ghost that morning. Amen. Amen. And 
that they asked us to come back on Wednesday night. That was on a Tuesday morning. And there were four more filled with the Holy Ghost that night. And one was a 75-year-old grandfather. I'll tell you a little bit of story about this. What happened with that was he, his granddaughter, I think his, his wife and children had been out of church. He had never had the Holy Ghost. Um, and so they were getting back in church. But his daughter and granddaughter was going to a Baptist church, but they were going to, I mean, that was her, that's where she was in school. That was the Christian school there. And so uh, the pastor uh, made the mistake of saying something against the Pentecostal services. But he happened to call her by name. If he hadn't called her name, she wouldn't have said anything. But when he did call her name, she said, well, I'll just tell you, pastor, I feel more God there than I've ever felt here. So... I mean, you ask your child, it's going to be honest with you, you know? And so they left and her mom goes, well, you've done it this time. Now where are we going to go? <laughs> she said, well, let's just go where my heart is. And through that, her 75-year-old grandfather got the, filled the Holy Ghost that Wednesday night. He was baptized the previous Sunday, but the pastor and, the, uh, and his son-in-law that was the principal of the school brief, befriended this, this man and through that, and the scripture says, and a child shall lead them. Never discount the power that God gives children also. We need to include our children in everything we do because they're the generation that's coming up to carry this on and to teach them. And like pastor said, the, you know, the child got the Holy Ghost in his living room. Amen. And God is just doing great things. And also we have seen miracles. Um, Sister Vicki was... Ministry. She was preaching. Her and um, Sister Gaddy um, preached the South Carolina Ladies District Conference. Um, there was a young lady came into service in a wheelchair, and even her doctor. She said her doctor didn't want her to go, but she went anyway. And Sister Vicky, the Lord moved on her, and she went over to pray for her. And my wife told her. She said, first of all, um, we have to get rid of the fear. She had fractured and splintered her bone in her leg. And she had been in pain from day one. For three weeks, she had not been without pain, no matter what kind of medicine they gave her, nothing would help that. Now, I've, I've had a broken hip and femur. So I've been through that kind of pain. And let me tell you, you will shiver with pain. It's unbearable. So I've been that. I know what this young lady was feeling because I've been there. And the fear left her. And Sister Vicky prayed for that bone to heal. And instantly the pain stopped. Instantly she was on her feet worshiping after she took the, the compression cup off her leg to keep the pain, to at least minimize the pain some and to stabilize her leg. And the next day she borrowed a pair of heels from one of her friends. And honest to goodness, she was shouting all over the front. I mean, that's, that's miracles. That's miracles. Amen. And while we were at, in Salem, uh, Illinois, Brother Calvin Jeans, um, one of the ladies there, he asked her to testify, and she had, something had happened to her vision. And the only letter she could see when she went to her, her eye doctor was the big E, and it was blurry. So he sent her to an eye surgeon, and he said, well, you have a hole in your right eye, and it's going to require surgery. And so... Um, she was going on vacation. He wanted to give up vacation. No, I'm not giving up my vacation. So her and one of the other sisters began to pray. When she came back, she went back to the doctor. There was no hole. Her eyes were perfect. 
So, so he told her, he said, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. She said, it was prayer. He said, well, keep praying. Keep doing it. It's working. You know, and, and one of the other sisters had uh, kidney stones. I mean, one of her kidneys was completely full of stones. And if any of you have ever had kidney stones, you know how miserable and painful that is. Again, her and one of the sisters agreed and began to pray and went back to the doctor. Pain stopped. Went back to the doctor. Her, her kidneys was totally clear. No kidney stones. None whatsoever. I had a friend that had a kidney stone some years ago. He went on Christmas vacation to his parents in South Carolina and he didn't get that taken care of. And the whole time he was there, he was in bed. He wasn't even able to get out of bed. He got back to Kingsport, Tennessee, an hour, about 15, 20 minutes from where they lived to his doctor. And they told him if you'd been an hour later, you'd been dead. He was on life support. He was on dialysis. They had him on MJM. That's Michael Jackson juice. If you don't know what that is. And it just kept him comfortable. But if he had gotten that taken care of, he wouldn't about died with it. So the thing of it is, what I'm saying is, is when God works a miracle, you know it. Amen. And the Lord saved his life from dying because of that. So it is a very serious condition to have that. But just so grateful for what we've seen the Lord doing. Amen. And, and the vision that pastors have and the saints have and the work they do, the prayer they put into it. Amen. And just laying our faces before God in prayer. Amen, seeking God for apostolic movement in their communities, in their families, in their churches. And just to see the churches binding together and God working, amen, and moving. But you know, the enemy is always wanting to, amen, stop the work of God. If you're doing a work for the Lord and God is using you, he's gonna do anything he can to stop you. And recently the Lord put this scripture on my mind, if you don't mind, Pastor. Um, in the 11th chapter of the book of Proverbs, verse 21, it says, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. It doesn't matter. I mean, this scripture says, though they join hand in hand, they'll not go unpunished. It will not accomplish what they're trying to do. And the righteous seed, in other words, the the saint of God, he's going to deliver us. The apostle Paul, there were several young men took it upon themselves to see Paul murdered because of the gospel. So they vowed a vow. They shaved their head. They weren't going to eat. They weren't going to do anything until they had seen him dead. And again, they joined hand in hand and it didn't work. The soldiers delivered Paul out of their hands. Amen. So it doesn't matter how many hands joined together. They cannot withstand God. The scripture says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No matter whose hand it is in or who you join hands with, never join a cause unless it's one to uplift your brothers and sisters. Never join a cause against the saint of God, especially if it's someone out in the world. Amen, because you're all you're doing is helping that enemy to accomplish what they're doing. But even though you join hands, it's not gonna happen. The righteous seed shall be delivered. So no matter what you're going through, just remember, you're a child of God. You belong to him. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. He will deliver you. Amen. Amen. 
Because the word says that we are heirs and joint heirs with him. We're his children. And just as we wouldn't see our children harmed, neither does the Lord Jesus want to see any of us suffer harm from others. And recently I've thought about this scripture. When the apostles were on the ship and Jesus came walking on the water and they were afraid. And Jesus said, be not afraid, it is I. Think about that as a child of God, knowing that we walk in his spirit and walk in his word. We have his spirit. Whether you sit down and think about it, every day we live the scripture, be not afraid, it is I. I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. And that he has given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. By any means, nothing that the enemy comes with is gonna hurt you. As long as you remember, it is I, be not afraid. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand in honor of the word in God's vessel? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll invite Sister Vernon to come and bring what God has put in our heart. Lord, we're thankful, God, again, for a place to gather together in your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, in freedom and liberty to lift up your name, to praise and worship you, Lord God, to divide your word, to listen to the message you have for us, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that our ears are open, that our hearts are prepared, that the seed is planted deeply within us today, Lord God. I pray a blessing upon my friend, the vessel that you provided for us today. God, anoint her mightily, Lord Jesus, and let your spirit move freely in the house today, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we praise and we worship you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody doing good? Put a smile on your face and and notify, notify yourself. Big smiles all around. Now, let me tell you something. I'm here to help you. I'm never here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. And I love you. And we can be free in the house of the Lord. I used to tell groups of children when I traveled and did exclusively children's ministry that we were given a set of instruments. Now, we all admire people that can come to the keyboard, and at least I do. I've tried these things, trust me. I can play the keyboard in two keys, and I do the bump, 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 bump. If you've never heard that, you don't want to. I can play the guitar in three keys. <laughs> it's not much better, let me tell you. But what I did find was that we were all given a set of instruments and that we can clap our hands and we can lift our voice, make a joyful noise. You know, we always want to use that for singing because all of us want to sing. Most of us want to think we can sing. I found out I don't do that very well either. But what a joyful noise is, whatever comes out of your mouth in praise. And the Bible says he inhabits our praise. You want Jesus in the middle of this service or what you're doing in your life, then praise him. He comes in when you praise him. You want him in the house, then you praise him. It's not enough to turn on a YouTube service and sit with your cereal. You got to praise him if you want him in the house. Now he'll transfer right from what you're watching in your house. You're watching good apostolic service if you get involved in praising. If you don't, you're just watching. 
did you come to watch today? I'm not much to watch. I hope you didn't come to watch. So what I want you to do right now, because I don't feel free yet, okay? I'm not, I'll just tell you, I've done this for 33 years. I've been known to say, excuse me, I don't feel Jesus here. And so I, I can't speak because I'm scared of myself. What I might say if the anointing's not here. I need him to be standing right beside me. It is not enough to sing three songs and go through our motions and say, oh, it's all good. I need to feel him. We want people to feel him today. Lift your hands, clap your hands, do what you're comfortable with, raise your voices and begin to praise him. Begin to lift him up. Come on. Jesus, we need you today. Come in the middle of your people today, Lord. We lift you up. We worship you. You're King of kings. You're Lord of lords. You're all in all. You're everything to me, Jesus. You're my father, my mother, my sister, and my brother. You're my joy and my song. You're the wheel in the middle of the wheel. You're the lily of the valley. You're the bride and morning star. You're the rose of Sharon. You're everything to me, Jesus. And I worship you with my whole heart. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on. We're stepping into his presence now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, that feels better. Hallelujah. He's here. Hallelujah. Thank you for doing that with me. We want him to be here. Amen. And he is. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, to Romans. And we are going to turn to Romans chapter 14. I got to get my granny glasses on. If you like my glasses, people come and say, I like your glasses. Dollar Tree. (laughs) Have a whole rack. Just spin them around. Find your number. (laughs) Those of you that don't know what that means, it means you're not old yet. (laughs) The number keeps going up. (laughs) Romans chapter 14. And while you are finding that, I still hear pages. Thank you, Pastor. And Sister Cordell, I love you. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for letting us come back time and time again. We love you and your church. Brother Kylie, Sister Kylie, you're here. I told your husband last time, she goes away every time I come. So I feel relieved. She does love me. (laughs) Brother and Sister Kylie brought me here the first time. They're my friends. We have a lot of mutual friends. I love you and give you honor. This was already a gorgeous building, but look at this platform, will you? Wow. Everybody needs a little facelift now and then. This was a really nice one. It's just beautiful, and you did great. We need to keep the things that belong to God nice, don't we? Yeah, take care of what he's given us, and that's what we do. From time to time, we have to spruce things up. It's all about the kingdom. And my friends, the Sandins. I don't think I mentioned the Sandins the last time I was here, but we go back about 30 years. Yeah, we've got grandchildren now we talk about. We decided we like them better than our kids. (laughs) We love our kids, (laughs) but we like our grandkids more. They're longtime friends. 
First time I came to Madison, Wisconsin, they were the Sunday school directors. And I, I remember deciding right then, Wisconsin was where I wanted to be. When they came bringing up a cooler full of cheese curds. And I'd never heard of a curd. I'm still not sure what a curd is, but I'm not sure I want to know because I like to eat them. <laughs> and I mean, cheese of every kind in that bit. It wasn't a little bitty color. It had to be pulled. You know, most people give you a little basket in your room. Oh no, in Wisconsin, they give you big coolers of cheese. I said, that's where I want to call home. And I loved, I love these folks. Paul was talking to the church here. He had not yet arrived. He sent them a letter. He did that a lot. I might start sending you some letters. Wouldn't that be cool? Pastor could read them from the pulpit. That's what they did. They couldn't get everywhere. And so they would send letters. And this particular time, he was talking about some very important things under the heading of this part of this chapter. It says the questions of conscience. Really important that we keep that conscience intact. So I want you to read this whole chapter later, but I'm trying to save time. So we're going to read 11, 12, and 13. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not Therefore, judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And today for your hearing, a message the Lord gave me, but he really changed it around for you today. Hold on to the rope. Hold on to the rope. You may be seated. I read to you what the word said, and every word in this book is true. So if there's something you really don't want to do, and it's in here, you better reconsider. Jesus is coming. We don't have very long. Well, you said that the last time you were here, Sister Vernon. Yes, I will say it every time. Because if I'm back here one more time, that means it's even closer, so don't deceive yourself into thinking you've got a long time. There'll be a service that will be the last one. And you won't have another chance to come to church. And this could be it. So I take this very seriously today. And I think we all should. Because it was written, as I live, saith the Lord. Now the Lord said this. You're going to argue with the Lord? You can argue with me, but I don't think you should argue with the Lord. The Lord said, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Wow. So how does that happen? Well, he didn't make it difficult and he didn't make it difficult to understand. And that's why I'm here today. He didn't want anyone to be sitting in this service and go away and say, I'm not sure how to be ready for heaven. Now, I know that most of you already know this. 
But if there is even one person sitting here that is not ready for heaven and does not know how to get ready, then it is worth me going over that again. Because that's why we're here. We're not just here so that we can check off the box and say, we went to church this week. We get a star on the chart. Because being here on the pew will not get you to heaven. Putting your money in the black bucket, which is essential and necessary, will not get you to heaven. I mean, we've got to keep the lights on. So that has to be done. But that won't get you to heaven. You've got to be saved. And I read to you that every knee is going to bow. That means you have a choice right now. You can say, nah, I'm not, but you will later. You can say, I'm not going to talk to Jesus. I'm not going to pray. And you don't have to. You say, well, I don't like the way you people pray out loud. That's a little weird. You know, I come in here and everybody's saying stuff out loud together. Listen, you don't think there's anything wrong with people going to the ball field and everybody screaming for their fan. Go, go, go! People spilling beer all over each other and acting like fools. And everybody just gets involved and screams and yells and cheers and, and has a big old time. But when we come to church, you don't want us to cheer for our number one fan, the one that went to the cross, that died for us. Maybe if you kind of look at it that way, it won't bother you so much that we clap our hands, that we shout a little, that we talk out loud to the Lord. I'm just trying to help you today. Don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. You're not here by accident. You're here today because the Lord is drawing you. The Bible says no man comes unless he draws them. All you have to do to bow your knee, to be ready for heaven, is to come to the altar and bring your heart to Jesus. You say, you brought those, those hearts again? Uh-huh, I did. I've carried hearts around with me for 33 years. I'm not going to stop now. I've gone through lots of spray paint. <laughs> I leave these hearts everywhere I go. I've left them in every foreign country I've ministered in. Six, six now foreign countries. Yeah, I brought them again. Because Jesus gave me this illustration years ago. And what you have to do to confess, to bow your knee, is to bring your heart and in your very own words, you can't do it wrong. He made it easy that even a little small child can do it. Is come to an altar and say, Lord, I confess. I need you. I'm a sinner. I can't make it to heaven without you. I'm bowing. Did he mean you had to actually get on your knees? No, not necessarily. But you're bowing your will. I know I can't do it on my own. I, I make a mess of stuff. My life is a mess because I've tried to do it on my own. But Lord, I want you to take control. I acknowledge you. Bring your heart to Jesus. The moment you confess, doesn't even matter how you do it. He sees your heart. He knows what's in your heart. But when you open your mouth and begin to repent, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me, Lord. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try not to do that anymore. That's repentance. And the moment you do that, you're beginning a journey that you're not going to be sorry. You're going to be forever grateful because in that moment, you find out that he's not like everybody else and he doesn't look in there and say, you mean you did all that? You better cry some more. 
No, he doesn't even look in there. He knew what you did all along. He's seen everything you did in the dark, every thought you've ever had, every time you ever did something and hid it. He saw it all and loved you anyway. And in that moment, you realize that because you feel it. It's not just based on what you know. You feel his love. You feel him wrap his arms around you. It's a supernatural thing. And in that moment, at that moment, with one sweep of his hand, he cleans out your heart and leaves a clean, empty spot that he can move into. Hallelujah. Confess. Lord, I'm sorry. I want to walk with you. I can't do this by myself. And sin makes a mess. I'll have to clean up this mess I made on this platform laying up here. It's scattered up here because that's what sin does to your life. It makes a mess. But if you'll let this pastor take you to the water, the Bible says repent and be baptized. He didn't say if you want to or any way you want to or the way your grandparents did or just keep the tradition in the family. He didn't say that. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then he told you how. He didn't want to keep you in the dark. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. So you let the pastor take you down and back up in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, they have robes for you to wear. Your clothes won't get wet. I said that because a lady a couple weeks ago said, oh, I can't. I can't. I didn't bring any clothes. And when I said, we have robes, she said, oh. Sure, I will. So I thought I'd throw that in. Somebody today needs to say, sure, I will. I don't want to leave here without being ready for heaven. Jesus could come any moment. Please take me to the water, pastor. Please baptize me in Jesus' name. Amen. It's that easy. And the Bible says you shall receive the gift. Oh, I like gifts, don't you? Oh, yeah, you shall receive the gift, the gift of a brand new heart, the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he takes away your old stony heart, your hard heart, your worldly heart. He gives you a brand new heart. The Bible says you shall receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. People get all, all really nervous about that part because that's the part where we talk about speaking in tongues. You know, we're living in a world, used to be years ago, nobody knew what speaking in tongues was. When I started out, I had to explain it. They never heard about it. Now everybody's heard about it almost. And a lot of times they haven't heard very good things. So I need to explain to you what happens. When Jesus cleans out that old heart, he takes it away. And then he fills you with his spirit. Right while you're praying and you're thanking him, just simply thanking him for forgiving you. Thank you, Lord, that the blood covered my sins. Thank you that not only did you forgive me, but you've forgotten everything I've ever done wrong. You know, he forgets about it. He chooses to forget and in that moment, you're just thanking him and saying, now I receive your gift. And he hands you the gift of the Holy Ghost. He fills you all the way up to here. He doesn't stop here. He keeps filling and filling until it gets right here. He fills you up. It's like he puts part of himself down inside of you. The Holy Spirit. God is a spirit. You can't see it. He fills you up with it. And when it gets right here, how are you going to know what's in there? You're not going to know. The pastor's not going to shake your hand and say, congratulations, you're a member now. You received the Holy Spirit. 
You're going to go, when did that happen? During the offering or? I'm not sure when that happened. No, it has to be a supernatural sign so you will know. So why did Jesus choose the tongue? Because it's what gets us in trouble. The unruly member. The one that gets out of control. Any problem you ever had with another person usually started with the tongue. Either theirs or yours. And so Jesus said, "Uh uh-huh, I'm gonna let you know that from now on, you need to start controlling that. Let's start right now with the unruly member. Because you gotta yield yourself. And not everybody wants to do that. This is my life. I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna do what I want. Nobody's gonna tell me what to do. That's worldly thinking. You'll never get to heaven with that kind of thinking. But when you yield your tongue... What happens is strange words come to your mind. You don't know what they are. You've never said them before. You don't want to say them out loud. In that moment when those words come and you feel Jesus filling you up, you're going to be like, oh, are those the right words? Should I say that? Am I making that up? That's way too easy. Anybody ever think those thoughts when you got the Holy Ghost? But you had to step out on faith and open your mouth and just let them out. You're the one that's going to say them. I had a child just stand with their mouth like this. I said, what are you doing? I'm waiting for the Holy Ghost. I said, well, do you hear any strange words in your mind? Not yet. I said, then start worshiping the Lord. Start praising Jesus. You already asked him to clean out your dirty heart. Now he's ready to move in. And when that child began to praise the Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I I praise you. I worship you. All of a sudden, I saw the change. Something began to happen because they were already speaking. And so I said, don't say any more words in English. Stop talking English. And when she did... She began to say funny words she never said before. You can't say them wrong. I've seen three-year-olds receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's never too young. I've seen 93-year-olds receive the Holy Ghost. It's never too old. And everybody's words are different and you can't say them wrong. But listen to me, you're not going up when Jesus comes if you don't have this inside. It's what's going to take you up. Are you saying that? No, the Bible says that. It's right here in the Word. That's what's going to take us up. The trumpet's getting ready to sound. Last night, all the kids were over at our apartment. We live next door in a condo next door to our daughter, and all the, the kids were over there, and and they left one, one of the girls home. She was showering, getting ready, and she, she was 12, and, and she was over there by herself, and she'd heard an airplane go over, and it was one of those jet, or jet fighters, whatever, and it shakes, rattles the windows kind of thing. Uh, I don't know where it was going or why, but it, there it was, and it went on for a little while, and she came over, her eyes big as saucers, and she said, I heard a, a loud sound, and I was waiting for the trumpet. She said, I was just sitting there saying, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And she said, then I looked around and everybody was gone. (laughs) Everybody needs an experience like that once in a while to shake us up because that's exactly how it's going to be happening. And people are going to say, wow, where'd they go? I tried to call them. They're not home. Nobody's at the church. It's Sunday. Oh yeah, there'll be people flooding this place when it's all over, but there will be no presence of the Lord. There will be no salvation once Jesus comes back. Don't just look at this as another church service. And I'll do it when I get good and ready. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. So humble yourself now. Lord, I want it. 
I want all you have for me. And in that moment when you come and you are giving your heart to the Lord, I want to show you what happens to you. A lot of people don't know this. It's a secret. I've told a lot of children through the years that this is what happens. You get the rope in your hand. While you're praying and talking in tongues and your hands are raised, you've gone down in the water in Jesus' name. You're giving your life to the Lord. You're starting life all over whatever age you are. Right then when your hand is up, you don't even realize it, but you get the rope in your hand. At that moment, you start a journey climbing the mountain of life with Jesus. Your journey just begins right then. The search is over. You don't have to try to fill your heart with other things, with addictions, self-medicating, with drugs or alcohol or pornography or any other such thing because now you've found what fills the void and you start walking with the Lord. And you see what happens is the rope, we're, we're gonna pretend that this is a mountain right here. The rope goes all the way to the top of the mountain like this. And Jesus has the other end. Now, back in the, in, in the day when I did a lot of children's camps, this, this particular climbing the mountain of life with Jesus was five messages. I'm not gonna try to give you all five of them, don't worry. I had, a, I had a six foot mountain. I carried that thing around. I mean, I, I can't lift it now. As a matter of fact, it's gone. It had a hinge in the middle and, and, it, and it folded over. It would barely fit in the trunk of my car with a bungee cord. And the mountain would set up real high and I had a shelf on the back of the mountain and I, I ran all over town and found dry ice and, and put it in a pan on the back, uh, on the top because it gave that, that smoke that came up off the top of the mountain. I'm helping your imagination because that's where Jesus is, heaven up there at the top. And the rope comes all the way down the mountain. And on the side of that mountain, I had a GI Joe in camouflage and he, he held onto the rope and he was climbing up the side of the mountain. I put him about halfway up the mountain because he's got the rope in his hand and he's climbing. It's a journey. It's uphill friends. Don't think it's easy after you start serving the Lord. It's uphill. And so uh, you're climbing this mountain of life with Jesus. And once you come to this altar and give your heart to the Lord, you have the rope in your hand. But you have to make up your mind. No matter what happens, I will not let go of the rope. Jesus will never let go of his end. He will always be there. But the problem is people let go of their end. They backslide down the mountain. Every one of us will have to give an account for our life. Verse 12. What we've done, what we've said, how we've lived our life. Jesus is going to judge us. The scripture says quit judging each other. She shouldn't be doing that. She shouldn't be saying that. He shouldn't be doing that. Why is he going there? Quit looking at Facebook and judging other people. If you can't handle it, get off of there. And quit putting everything on there that you do and say that you might be a stumbling block to somebody else. 
I just read it to you in the scripture. Because we don't need stumbling blocks. We're already climbing. It's a very hard climb. We got a rope in our hand. We got a backpack on our back. The load is light, but yet there is a load. His burden is light. We're climbing this mountain of life and we need all the help we can get from one another. And it's time for churches to become unified. Revival never happens in disunity. So if you have a burr under your saddle, it's time to pray and get it out. Don't talk about it to somebody else. You could become a stumbling block. I'm talking to somebody today. We're trying to do this together. Quit judging one another. You know, we go through things in life and when we're in low places, sometimes we don't act just accordingly and we don't do everything just right and we might lose a little footing now and then and, and we might not look like we did or, or, or we might be struggling with something or, or we might be moody or we, we're human, we're flesh. We need to cut each other some slack. When you see your brother slipping, when you see somebody changing, when you know there's something wrong, start praying for them. Start taking them before the throne. Ask God to help them but don't judge them. That's what Paul was talking about. Quit judging one another. We're all going to give an account. We're going to stand before the Lord all alone. What did you do with your life? Well, I came to church and I never really went to the altar. I was waiting for the Bible study to be over and I never really did understand it all. And well, I didn't, I didn't really want to, you know, I didn't want to be Pentecostal. I, I didn't want to look like those people. Whatever is going to be your excuse, you're going to give an account. Well, my mom didn't do it that way. My, my grandpa didn't, and so I didn't. Hey, you're accountable for what you know. Grandma and, and your parents and those in the generations past, they are going to be accountable for what they knew. But you're accountable for the next generation and what you know. Amen? We're going to give an account. Keep the rope in your hand. Don't let go. It's too late to let go, to stop coming to church, to get something in your spirit, to be angry with somebody, to have unforgiveness in your heart. It's too late to start doing those things. Live it closer than you've ever lived. Pray more than you've ever prayed. This church should be filled with prayer. During the week, people should be coming here and praying. It's breaking out. I feel it in the spirit. Something's happening, but it needs to happen to all of us. If we want revival, that's how it breaks. There's no other way. I wish I could tell you, well, I found a program that's working all across the United States and people are using this program. And if, if you'll do this, people will come and they'll be saved. No, there's no gimmicks. There's no program. It's back to the basics. You said it this morning. It's back to just old fashioned prayer and fasting and, and, and storming the throne for the lost, getting a burden for the lost. Do you realize the people you're passing every day that don't know God, they don't know this message they're going to go to a devil's hell and burn for all eternity. Have we forgotten? Because we don't preach about hell anymore. It's still in the word. When Jesus comes, you're either going to go up and spend eternity with Jesus or you're going down and spend eternity in hell. Oh, well, you're trying to scare us into it. Yeah, whatever works. Whatever works. I don't want to go to hell. If that's the only reason why you serve the Lord, oh well, so be it. You'll fall in love with him and it'll get better. Just serve him out of fear for a while. <laughs> that's okay. That's the truth. You see, there's going to be 
things that are gonna come while you're climbing this mountain. You got the rope in your hand and you're starting at the bottom and, and, and Jesus has got the rope at the top and you're so glad you found him and the world is down below, see? The mountain is for, for people on their way to heaven. The world is down below. You're leaving the world and you're climbing higher so you don't live like the world anymore. Some of you need to draw some lines in the sand. You hadn't done it yet. It's like you got the rope in your hand, but one foot down in the world. Maybe I can do both. <laughs> the Bible says you either be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, he'll spew you out of his mouth. I don't be spewed. I don't want to be spewed by God. Spew is not a good word. It means vomit. So, so you can't have the rope, even though, even though you're down here and you're at the bottom of the mountain, okay? And, and you got the rope in your hand. You got to start climbing at some point because if you're still down in the world and you got the rope in your hand, you can't su- serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other. You'll make a choice someday and your choice will be either to climb higher up the mountain or to go back down into the world. Some of you are at that point right now. It's time to make up your mind. I'm going to give it all I got. I'm going to give a good account when Jesus comes. Lord, I was climbing. I was teaching Sunday school or I was playing an instrument. I I was singing. I I, I was witnessing. I was teaching Bible studies. Lord, I I was developing fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, I still got mad sometimes, but I was working on it. I was praying every day. I was reading the Word. That's the kind of account you want to give. If Jesus came back today, what would you be able to say? Well, I was living my life. I got the rope in my hand, but I was kind of just living my life. I wasn't really concerned about going higher. The higher you go, the farther away you get from the world. And the better it feels. The better it feels. So you got the rope in your hand, you're climbing. And you're on this narrow path that makes its way up the mountain. There's, there's babbling brooks. There's beautiful scenery. There's so many wonderful things when you're walking with the Lord. But then every once in a while, there's a, a rough, rocky place. And you really got to hold on tight through those. And then sometimes there are stumbling blocks. I read about it in the Word. A stumbling block. It says, don't be a stumbling block to somebody else. Well, how could that happen? If I find someone new coming to God and I don't be mindful of what they're struggling with and maybe I'm doing something that isn't against my convictions but they see that and they've already drawn a line in the sand there. Their conscience says, I shouldn't do that anymore. That's too much like the world. That's like having my foot in the world. I could be a stumbling block. They see me on Facebook doing that. I'm walking with God and I'm, I'm professing one thing with my mouth, but I'm doing something else. I could be a stumbling block. You know, it's bad enough that we have stumbling blocks naturally without causing them for each other. See, when you're climbing this mountain of life, there is an enemy. There's an enemy of your soul that does not want you to make heaven. The devil was kicked out of heaven with a third of the angels. They're not sitting around frying hamburgers waiting on hell. They're busy. And they don't want you to make heaven. So what happens is you're climbing and your enemy. Now, when I pull this out, I don't want anybody to be frightened. 
It's not real. It's rubber. It's old. It cost me $16. I guard it because it's a very expensive snake. And if it were real, I would not be holding it. And just because it's rubber doesn't mean anything to some of you. It's still freaking you out. I'm so sorry. But maybe I can break the tension by telling you that years ago, with no wisdom and starting out in children's ministry, understanding that there were adults there sitting in the audience for effect, I threw it out into the crowd and it landed in the lap of an 84-year-old woman who had dozed off. We had to have a healing service. (laughs) She did not pass away, thank the Lord. (laughs) But I've never thrown it again, so don't worry. I don't think I was ever asked back there either. (laughs) I won't even get close to you. But this was the best way to illustrate the enemy. Because you're walking along, you got the rope in your hand. You're serving the Lord. You're being faithful. You're trying to learn fruit of the Spirit. You're growing those in your life. And you're, you're, you're pushing away from the world. And you're up on the mountain now. You're not down in the world. And you are climbing higher because you're listening to your pastor. You're learning to submit to the man of God because he's going to give an account for your soul. Not only are you going to give an account, but God's going to ask him about you. How would you like that responsibility? And so you're learning these things. And sure enough, as you're walking on that narrow pathway, all of a sudden on one bright, sunshiny day, everything's going great. You just got out of revival and you got plenty of money to pay your bills and everybody's well at your house and, and you're just doing great. And, and you're going along and you got the rope in your hand and all of a sudden you look down and your toe hits something in the path. Oh, it's the devil. The number one thing is to recognize when things start happening, this is the enemy. He doesn't want me to make heaven. I'm not going to let him or anybody else be a stumbling block in my path. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get around and over the stumbling blocks because I want to make heaven. Recognize it. Oh, it's the devil. I've watched people through the years and there are people who the first moment that they see that that snake, that enemy, that viper in their path, they are full of fear. They look down and there's the snake in the path. Ah! That wasn't half of what I could do. And they are terrorized and they turn around, Brother Kylie, and they run as fast as they can. The problem is they're running back down the mountain. He won. He won. Sure didn't take much for that one. All it took was a little sickness. All it took was somebody saying something bad about them. All it took was a pastor telling them that they need to work on something. All it took was one little thing. There they are right back down because they scream and run. Then you got people that they're walking with God. It's a babbling brook. The sun's shining brightly. Everything's going great. They got the rope in their hand, their little light backpack on their back and they're just looking around and all of a sudden their toe hits something. The super spiritual people. Oh, 
It's the devil. Greater is he that is in me. Get out of here. In the name of Jesus, do you hear me, devil? I'm not taking this from you. You get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. I'm fighting the devil day and night. I said, get out of here. You're holding me. You're entertaining me. I love it. Devil around every corner. Everything that happens. You can't talk to those people without them, you know, well, I'm in spiritual warfare because this is the devil and that's the devil. My, my, I never changed the oil in my car and my engine went out. That was the devil. I never brushed my teeth and I have to have a root canal. That's the devil. My washing machine's 30 years old and it went out. That's the devil. A spirit around every corner. You know, I saw smoke coming under the door. That was the devil. No, something's on fire. Call the fire truck. There's got to be balance in this thing. And the balance comes in the word of God and on your knees. And and we don't want to entertain the devils. We don't want to be looking for them everywhere. Not everything's the devil. He gets credit for a lot of stuff that he has nothing to do with. And he loves it when we entertain him. And talk to him. And talk about him. Now I believe in apostolic ministry. You know that. I believe in binding and loosing. You would love it if I, could, if I could just stand up here sometime and tell you all the times that devils have gotten in my face and I, I have cast out devils and this is real. It's real. But once that event is over, I put that thing behind me because that is not what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about Jesus and getting saved and getting ready for heaven. Yes, we're going to encounter him along the path, but I'm going to tell you what we do. We don't pick him up and entertain it. We don't spend hours talking about it. We don't study demonology and we don't entertain him by constantly talking about him or to him. That was for somebody today. You reel yourself out too far with that, reel yourself back in. It's a journey. Nobody's faulting you. I've done it myself. I had to learn. Did I ever tell you about the time that I had the devil in my house? I was in prayer in the morning and I was learning to pray warfare prayer, intercessory prayer. I was seeing God do the miraculous. You want to see the miraculous? Pray. That's how it happens. But I was praying in the, in the living room all by myself. And, and I was on this journey in prayer. And so I, I am going into warfare. And I'm saying, you know, devil, you can't have our city. And I'm addressing him in prayer. And all of a sudden, uh, there is a, a horrible sulfur smell fills the room. And I'm thinking, that is the smell of hell. The devil is appearing to me. And that smell is hell. All of a sudden, there's a little haze, like a smoke that's beginning to fill the room where I'm praying. And I'm, I'm going, I'm praying harder. I, I mean, you get out of here, devil. You get out of here in the name of Jesus. You have no place in my home. And I rebuke you. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And I'm talking in tongues. And the smoke is getting thicker. I have a relationship with the Lord, so the Lord talks to me. I feel like the Lord at that point in time called all the angels to the ledge of heaven and said, come watch this. Come watch this right here. He said, walk through the house. The the house went in a circle. So I'm walking through the house. God is going to lead me to where it is. In the name of Jesus. 
sulfur smell and smoke. The devil's appeared to me. No, I'm not that important. Neither are you. I'm rebuking the devil and I'm walking through the house and I, I, it's getting stronger and stronger. And finally, I get around to my daughter's bedroom. It's an old home in Memphis, Tennessee. We had those old floor furnaces and she had set a chair with little rubber b- bottoms on the legs on that floor furnace and they were melting and dripping down into the floor furnace and it smelled like sulfur. It smelled like hell. The house was filling with smoke. And the Lord said, you see that? <laughs> Look at that. Look what Vicky's doing. I'm helping you today. Pull yourself back in. Don't get out of balance. That's why you need a pastor. He'll make sure you stay in balance. He'll teach you the word from this pulpit. You'll hear the truth. If you'll just submit to him and follow him, he'll get you all the way to heaven. You know, I, I was thinking about this this morning. Only one time in my life can I remember asking for an audience with my pastor. I was, I was mad. I was a baby. I was down at the bottom of the mountain just getting started. Because you don't do that when you're grown. You don't take issue with the man of God. Some lady in the church said something real mean and nasty to me. I was going through a rough patch with one of my grown children, my teenage, teenagers and I was just starting out in ministry. And she said something terrible to me and I called the pastor and I wanted a meeting. I said, I want to meet you at the church and I want you to call her in. And I want to sit with her and you because I want you to hear what she said to me. And I want you to make this right. My feelings were hurt. You see, she, she had become a stumbling block to me. I'm not, I'm not going further until, until I, I, I have this meeting with you, Pastor. So I, I, I called this meeting and Pastor said, sure, because he was that kind of pastor. He wouldn't say no. Just because Pastor meets with you doesn't mean that he believes what you're telling him is true. I got in that meeting and, or to the church and the lady wasn't there yet. And pastor wasn't there yet. I went in the sanctuary and I bowed my knee on the front row. And the Lord said, shame on you. He hadn't left the house yet. And you call him and you tell him you're sorry. And that there won't be any meeting. And you trust him. And you climb over top of that stumbling block. Wow. I picked up the phone. I said, pastor, I want to ask you to forgive me. For the way I talk to you, asking you, demanding you to have a meeting with this lady, I want you to forgive me. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. And I'm going to trust you to deal with it in whatever way you feel is right. And I will never ask you to do anything like that again. And I'm going to stay in this church right now on my face. I'm, I'm in the sanctuary right now. And I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to release myself from what she said. I'm not going to let it be a stumbling block to me. I'm helping somebody today. You better have that rope in your hand. You better be determined. I'm going to climb higher. I'm not going to let go of the rope. Nobody is going to cause me to let go of the rope. You know, I found out that that situation wasn't, wasn't dealt with and why it wasn't because pastors know things other people don't know. They know about the whole church. They know the ins and outs of everybody. That woman had a mental illness. She was on mind-altering drugs. That woman wasn't right in the head. She finally completely went off and was in a mental institution. And it's a tragic story. Pastor was giving her the benefit of the doubt. He was trying to help her because he knew this, these 
details that I didn't know. I wasn't the only person she had said those mean things to. She had a problem. Some Hurting people hurt other people. You know, the next time somebody hurts you in the church, a brother or a sister, they hurt your feelings. What you need to say to yourself in your mind, hurting people hurt other people. That, that person said that to me because they're broken. They're hurting. Somebody's hurt them. Release yourself from it right then. Don't let it become something that causes you to stumble. We're trying to get to heaven. So you don't scream and run. And you don't entertain him. So what do you do? You're walking along that narrow pathway. Everything is going great. The the babbling brook, the sun is shining. Things couldn't be better. And all of a sudden, something is in your path. It's happened many times, hasn't it? And you did it and you didn't even know it. You kept the rope in your hand. And you didn't go to the right because the Bible says the path's narrow. You got to stay on the path. You don't go to the left because you can't go around on the left. The pathway is narrow. You got to stay on the path. That's what the devil knows. The enemy of your soul knows that if he can lay right across that pathway, you're going to have to figure out what to do. And most of you already know. It's just as simple as this. You're walking along, your toe hits something. Oh, it's the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And you keep right on walking. You keep the rope in your hand. You don't look back. (laughs) Did you feel that in the Holy Ghost? I did all the way to my toes. And you know what? The thing is, what he hates about that is when you say, get thee behind me, Satan, you're using the word. And when you use the word on him, he's not allowed to move. So he can't get up you he can't he has to lay there for a long long time until Jesus lets him get up he says Jesus can I get up now not yet can I lay across brother Cordell's path not yet can I lay across Vicki Vernon's path she needs another lesson, sure. It's the way it works. Whatever happens to me, Jesus knew about it before it happened. Our steps are ordered of the Lord. He knows what's coming. So the rope's in your hand and you're climbing the mountain of life with Jesus. He's got the rope at the top and you're just climbing higher and higher. You're learning to pray. You're learning to fast, to walk with God, to consecrate your life. You're learning to live a holy life. You're learning to separate yourself from the world. You're learning not to believe what the world says. They want to brainwash you. So you turn that off. How do you keep from being brainwashed? You turn off the news. You turn off the media. You don't listen to what the world has to say. You don't open all those articles that come in your email. You don't listen to all of that. You don't read everything on Facebook. You don't get into discussions with other people about it because you've got to focus. You're focusing on heaven. Your eyes are on the prize and you have enough to do trying to get other people to get onto the rope. That's our mission. Now come to the keyboard and play softly to give them some hope. Okay. I'm winding down. got the rope in your hand and you're climbing higher and higher. And I was up speaking one night and I was 
talking about this message that God gave me. And I had that rope in my hand. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the message, God showed me something. I mean, he didn't show me where I could have time to think about it. He showed me right then that I have my rope and I'm climbing. And what I sometimes forget is that maybe I'm almost to heaven. I I, I don't know where I am on the mountain. None of you know. You could drive out here on the highway, God forbid, and a semi slam into you and it be your last breath. And you were right there at the top and didn't know it. You could get up in the morning to go make your coffee and have your toast and drop dead of an aneurysm and you didn't know it was coming. You don't know where you are on the mountain. I'm, I'm, I'm almost to the top. I only, I only have that far to go. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm right here. You know what? For that matter, we could all be right at the top. Jesus could be ready to come back. But what the Lord showed me was, I got my rope. And then you got on behind me. And then you won her. And you want him. Come down here, babe. Give her the very end of that. And so I'm climbing this mountain of life. And I'm telling people about Jesus. And they get on the rope behind me. And all of a sudden you hear that Vicki Vernon is not serving God. Did, did you hear about what she did? Did you know she had a hidden drug addiction finally caught up with her because sin always will truth always comes out you're hiding something today it's best just to confess it just bring it to the cross let your pastor help you did you hear about Vicki Vern did you see her on Facebook did you see did you see how she was behaving now she let go of the rope climbing a mountain, holding onto that rope, people are going to be climbing up behind you. You're responsible for your children, for them living in truth, for them knowing truth. When they're out of your house, you can't do anything about it. But when they're at home, you're responsible. They're getting a hold of your end of the rope. The last count, I stopped counting at 15,000 filled with the Holy Ghost in the ministry. I don't want to fail God and be a stumbling block to all those people that are expecting every time I show up I'm going to look the same I'm going to act the same I'm going to cry those same tears and have those same little hearts and you can count on it until Jesus comes and I'm always going to talk to you about the coming of the Lord in heaven and hell and getting ready because I feel like that's the most important thing I can do for you and always tell you the truth and what the word says because I've studied it. I don't want to let go of the rope and be a stumbling block to somebody else. You can be a stumbling block to somebody else by your actions. And I made up my mind a long time ago, you're, you're never going to see a post from me. You won't now anyway because I'm not on there. But when I was on social media, I, you know, I've been set free. Just just try it. You'll like it. Trust me. I made all the excuses of I can see my family and now they just text me pictures. 
Well, it's your website. People won't know how to find you. Yeah, I've, I've preached 77 times this year. 30, 35, 36 churches. This is the 37th church today, this year. Usually it's 45 to 50. I'm turning people away. My calendar's full for next year. Did I need a website? No, that was a big fat excuse. I'm not telling you to get off social media. I'm telling you what I did. But never one time did I put a political post. Why? Because I don't want to be a stumbling block. Because I'm going to isolate somebody if I do that. Am I going to go in a restaurant and scream at the waitress because I didn't like some little thing that happened or act ugly or curt? Am I going to refuse to put my mask on and dig my heels in and say, no, I, I, I'm just walking from here to there. I'm going to leave my mask off. Thank you. No, because they see who I am. They feel the Holy Ghost on us. I'm not going to be a stumbling block. That's pride. Oh, I stepped on some toes. I felt it. Some of you are going to talk about me in the car. But I love you anyway. I'm trying to help you. Don't isolate people by your actions. Somebody's holding on to your end of the rope. They're counting on you. I was preaching in a junior youth camp. There are over 300 little campers, 9, 10, 11 year olds. And I did my mountain that week with the dry ice on top and G.I. Joe. And on the fourth night, we took G.I. Joe off the mountain. Because G.I. Joe grew up and he's a teenager now. He's not 9, 10, 11. He has his own keys in his pocket and he's got a girlfriend and he has never drank or smoked or done drugs or any of that stuff. And he's looking down at the world. But you see, he's already teaching a Sunday school class. He's been raised in church. He's playing an instrument on the platform. But he gets looking down at the world. Quit looking back at the world. Quit wanting what they have. They have nothing. And G.I. Joe lets go of the rope. G.I. Joe goes down into the world. I'm going to put the rope back up here because people need visuals. I get boring after a while. G.I. Joe lets go and he goes down into the world and he does drugs and he drinks alcohol. He has lots of girlfriends and he gets some tattoos. As long as he has the money, he has friends. It's the life of the party. But see, when you leave the side of the mountain, you still have your backpack. Everybody has a backpack. The Bible says his load is light. It's easy to carry. When you're living for God, you don't even know your backpack's there. It's so light. But when you let go of the rope and you go into the world, you carry that backpack with you. You know, he gets tired of it. Some people, it takes a month. Some people, two years, some 10. But they never forget. And one day he decides, I'm going back to church. This is not the way for me. There's nothing out there. And he comes and sits in the back because he's not sure how people think about him. But everybody loves on him and there's those people holding on to the rope like they always were, ready to offer him his end back. 
The altar calls given and he can't help himself. He comes running to the altar and he weeps and cries. He lifts his hands and he doesn't feel condemned and dirty like he thought he would. Oh no, he feels love. He feels the love of the Lord. And the Lord knew everything he did but loved him anyway. And he repented and the blood was still flowing from the cross. It was not too late. And it covered everything. And he began to speak with other tongues and and he was refilled and... And the Lord put the rope right back in his hand. Wow. Everybody said, you want to you wanna go out to eat after church? Because that's what we all do. He went out with the group and he just felt such love. He went home and went to bed that night and he slept like a baby. Oh, he hadn't been able to sleep. He'd been tormented. But now he can sleep. And he wakes up the next morning. He gets dressed for work and he feels peace because he's got the rope back in his hand. And he goes to pick up his backpack. Does that every day. Oh, 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 oh. wait a minute. Wait a minute, Lord. I remember I went to the altar last night. You, you, you cleaned all that out. Remember? You forgave me and I I spoke in tongues and I got the rope in my hand and I'm going to climb with you now. Do you remember? The Lord said, yes, I remember. But everything you picked up when you decided to leave the side of the mountain, all the pornography, the big scar on your cheek from the fight in the bar, the tattoos, All the times you slept with one person after another. Excuse me, these young people need to hear this. You have to carry that now. He doesn't clean out your backpack. So you think twice before you let go of the rope. You think about it long and hard before you carry that purity and that backpack that's so light and you go out into the world to just have a good time. Nobody knows about it but you. What you're sneaking around on the internet looking at, nobody knows. Oh yeah, Jesus knows. You're putting stuff in your backpack. But that boy's determined because he's tasted of all that. It won't fill the void. And he realizes if Jesus hadn't been merciful and if he had come while I was in the middle of all that, I would have gone to hell. You're not guaranteed your time of sowing your wild oats, as we used to say. But he picks up that backpack and he hoists it up on his shoulder. I'm determined. It's not out there. And if I have to carry all this, I will. And the Lord said, wait a minute, I, I want to remind you something. What's going to happen is, as you carry it, you're going to build muscles, spiritual muscles. And you're going to get so strong in the Holy Ghost and in your walk with me that it'll feel light again. All those memories from your past, all that junk, in your backpack yeah something will cross your mind every once in a while because that's just the way our minds are but you can just step over it 
because your backpack's light. Jesus helps you to grow where you can carry it. You can handle it. Okay, Lord, I'm ready now. I, I get it. I can, I can do this. And it's a heavy load right now, but I'm going to walk so fast and hard for you and pray so hard that it's going to get light. And that boy grabs a hold of the rope. Well, well, wait a minute, Lord. Remember, I was, I was way up there. I, I, I was teaching Sunday school and playing an instrument and I, I was part of the praise team and I, 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 was, I was way up there. I'd already climbed that far. Uh, you put the rope in my hand, but it's, it's the wrong spot. Oh no, I'm sorry. But you have to start right down at the bottom again. You have to learn some lessons. You have to be proven. I have to be able to trust you with ministry. People get all upset with pastors. Well, he won't use me. He don't let me do this. I'll go up the road. You know what? They won't use you either. And if they do, they'll be wrong. And if they do, it'll be for a short time. So just stay submitted. And when pastor feels like you're ready, he'll help you. Because God will speak to him about you. But you can't climb higher than what you're ready to climb. You, you can't take positions until you're there. Because you got to have enough rope in your hand to lead somebody else to. Okay, Lord. I'm willing. I'll just keep climbing. It, it won't be long until I'll be right up there again because I'm going to give you my all. That's what it looks like being right with God. Little girl sat on the front row on the fifth night. I had a message all prepared about heaven, a happy message. Because after all, they are children. No more boo-boos, no more school. No band-aids, no broken arms, no bloody noses. No slime in your hair. No gum in your hair. Heaven's going to be wonderful. I'm telling children about heaven. And all of a sudden, something happens and the anointing hits me like a ton of bricks and I'm weeping and bawling in front of these children. And I'm telling them, you may be a kid, but you don't know where you are on the mountain. Kids sometimes don't live forever. Even though we think they should. They don't. Kids get cancer. Kids, kids get sick. Kids have accidents. And kids need to be ready. Well, at what point when they know what a lie is? When they know what stealing is? A lot of parents have said to me, well, I don't, I don't push my children. I want them to make their own decisions. That's about the dumbest thing I ever heard. You push them to brush their teeth and teeth aren't even eternal. You want them to take a bath you want them to do good in school? That stuff doesn't even last. You better be pushing your children. You better be talking about the Holy Ghost every day and heaven every day. I'm watching the sky. You see kids out the window. Jesus is coming back in that sky for those who are watching for his appearing. That's how you train your children. There's one God and Jesus is his name. Little tiny babies stick up one little finger and say, one God. What's his name? Jesus before they can say anything else. That's how you train your children. 
I'm telling these children, you don't know where you are on the mountain of life. You could be right at the top. And even as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm thinking, I wish I could get away from this. And I couldn't. And I'm weeping and crying and crying. And I give an altar call. And these children, there were 72 that got the Holy Ghost that week. And they're laid out all over the floor. They're talking in tongues. And some of you don't believe in this. You just ought to see that one time. I'm telling you, you'll never, ever doubt when you see children 8, 9, and 10 with a Holy Ghost all over them shaking laid out all over the floor this is real when it was all over their mamas and daddies were coming in they some of them were having to carry them to the car shaking and talking in tongues there was a little girl that got the Holy Ghost and she brought a little friend with her and her little friend Josh got the Holy Ghost and they were standing there, both of them just crying and, and talking in tongues and holding hands and, and finally her mom came in and she got to see her receive the Holy Ghost and, and her mama Rhoda was just weeping and crying and, and she hugged me and, and said, thank you for what you're, you're doing for our children. As they were going out the door so much going on with kids you know you don't always hear everything but I heard the conversation mommy sister Vicky told us about the hearts tonight and she told us about the mountain and she said we don't know where we are on the mountain we could be at the top ready to go to heaven and be with Jesus so we have to be right we have to be ready we have to stay prayed up I'm going to start praying at home she was telling her mom everything she heard as they were going out the door packed up all my stuff and it was the end of the camp that week and went home Monday morning I got a call Sister Vicki I thought you'd want to know Sister Rhoda she called her name and her daughter's name such and such a church you remember them oh yeah she got the Holy Ghost Friday night and her mama came to get her and she's telling her mom all about the message she said, I thought you would remember. She said she was out riding her bike Sunday afternoon after church. Rode out in front of a vehicle. And she was killed. And never again did I worry about tears and get stuck on one point or talking about heaven to children it's real and you don't know where you are on the mountain you're not promised this afternoon you're not promised tonight you're not promised tomorrow well I have to wait till I take a Bible study and then I'll, I'll, I'll come to the altar you better not wait well I, I, I have to wait I, you know I can't climb any higher because I got to get some stuff right no that's a stumbling block you get it right after you start walking with God well, what will my family think of me? At first, they may not understand, but then you'll win your whole family. That's God's plan, to give your whole family opportunity to come in. But you can't have one foot in the world and one on the mountain, it won't work. It was a few months later, Sister Rhoda called me. She said, Sister Vicki, I just had to tell you, I haven't been able to even talk about it till now. But the only way I have made it through this 
is to remember that night when my little girl all the way home in the car talked about being at the top of the mountain. It was as if she knew somehow in her little mind. She said, Mama, I just want to see Jesus. I'm ready to go and I just want to see Jesus. The Bible says to die is gain. But if your feet are in the world, you don't see it that way. You hear that I've died and you know Sister Vernon's been gone on to be at the Lord. I want you all to come to my funeral because I want to be really big. But I don't want you to come past the casket and weep. I want you to remember what I'm telling you. That's what I'm waiting for. To see Jesus. Not streets of gold and gates of pearl. Oh, that'll all be nice. I'm not even sure that's what that's all going to be. We, we don't know what, what is just analogy and what's real and all of that. We don't know what heaven's going to be like. But we do know one thing. We're going to see Jesus fall in love with Him. Where every day there's a desire and a longing in your heart to see Him. Because today could be the day that Jesus comes. I'd like for you to stand with me. And there's some of you that really, really want to come and pray. There's some of you that are new and it's a little difficult for you, but please don't be afraid to step out and just come to the front. No one has to touch you. Nothing's going to happen to you that you don't want to happen. But I wonder if I could have some altar workers that would come and stand with me up here so that people don't feel like they're coming alone. Just go ahead and come to the front and just stand. And now may I give an invitation? You want to make sure you're ready for heaven? Just step out of your seats and come. If you've been in the church 50 years, 5 years, or you've never been here before, if you want to go to heaven, step out of your seats and come. Praise team is going to get ready to sing. I want you to close your eyes when you get here and lift your hands. Lift both of your hands to Jesus. Close your eyes. Forget about everybody around you. Raise your face. And all together, could we ask the Lord to forgive us for our sins? clean out my heart Lord I'm sorry for the bad things I've done if you see someone that needs prayer look around if you're an altar worker and find someone that you can go and minister to or help now I want to hear voices we're going to talk to God together I need some some of you that have intercessory prayer ministry thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast we pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and we'll continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.